Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey, and I'm super excited this morning to have a very distinguished guest with an incredible background and awesome story that I know is going to be motivating and inspirational to all of our listeners. So I'm going to dive right into her bio, and then we will start having a conversation with this entrepreneur from Frankenmuth, Michigan. April Zeilinger is helping to keep her husband's family legacy alive in the challenging arena of American textiles. She's not only the vice president of operations, but also the heart and soul behind brand awareness and marketing for the company. April is the creator of Foodie Yarn, a fun yarn line that has dyed the colors of food and launched it during this crazy pandemic that we've been going through. Zeilinger Wool Company is a fourth generation fiber mill producing thousands of pounds of natural fibers per week into yarn, socks, and other enjoyable items within the craft and wool lovers market. April worked for 20 years in the financial institutions before leaving everything that was comfortable around her for half her salary and took the risk to join her husband, John, in his family business. The business had no presence on social media and a 12-year-old website, and this is where she started her entrepreneurial journey. She's a self-taught business gal who never wants to stop learning. She's got a certificate in leadership from the Great Lakes Bay Hispanic Leadership Institute through Saginaw Valley State University in Saginaw, Michigan. And with that said, April, welcome to our show. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Bob, for inviting me. Well, this is super exciting. I love people who have courage and determination to make big pivots, uh, take a big leap of faith in their career. You know, I find that today so many people are having to do that, right? The world is rapidly changing. We see that all around us. We see um, industries all throughout the United States that have to adapt or they, they, they die. And here you are, a mid-career, uh, you know, married, you know, you've got responsibilities and obligations, you've got this wonderful career within the financial industry, which is a great industry to be in. April, what were you thinking? What was motivating <laughs> you to take a big leap? Like, this is a huge leap. It's not like tangential. You went from financial to like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Give me, give me what's, what's going on in your mind that, that gave you the courage and the motivation to do this. Sure. So um, when I was in my financial institutions career, um, I mainly worked for credit unions. And what I did there is I had started out as a teller and moved all the way up to the executive assistant in that time frame. And so I found myself like every single year wanting to do a new position or to learn something new or to grow in my, you know, in the profession. So um, I moved from like teller to the next, I would learn the next job and then I would learn the next job. And then, <laughs> so I had this um, constant urge to learn new things and to, um, I was asked a lot of questions. I just, I always wanted to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I had gotten to executive assistant of the CEO and um, I had sat down with her and I said, you know, I'm looking for a little bit more growth. I'm looking to be a manager, be on the management team, um, be part of some of those uh, important conversations and de decisions. I, I had that uh, background of uh, growth and learning and I just wanted to make my next move. Um, for some reason, she did not see me in that way. And, um, and she did let me know um, that that wasn't going to be in the forecast for my career. So at that point, I had a lot of thinking to do. So I had three kids, and I had a very good salary. And um, I just sat down and I said, you know, um, for myself and for my professional growth, I just think this isn't the right place for me to be. Yeah. So I left um, 17 years at that employment wow. <laughs> and I walked into another credit union. I walked in and I got a management position. 
I was the project manager. And then I also ran a small credit union service organization for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, credit unions can own uh, their own small businesses um, aside from uh, the credit union business itself. So I uh, ran that uh, for my boss for about a year. And um, it just it just didn't seem like the right fit. I had this like need of wanting more all the time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be more. And um, the environment that I was in, um, to be very frank, was very toxic. So um, they had a lot of turnaround. Um, people were very nervous, you know, whether or not they were going to be employed from day to day. So for me, that instability uh, was very nerve wracking. And so again, I had to sit and think about that for um, myself and for our family. And so I left very <laughs> abruptly in that um, in that career. And I came home and I said to my husband, so when should I start working with you? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that, that's a great uh, assumptive close, as we call it. Honey, what yes. position am I going to have in the company? I'm done. Yes. We're done. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So it was, it's comical now, but it was not comical back then. (laughs) But I think um, for me, I just always had something that, that was there. I was unsatisfied with a lot of pretty much everything that I was, which is so strange because I was so blessed. I learned so many things throughout those years. I mean, really that 17 years at the one credit union, really set the foundation for me to be who I am today. There was a lot of training, a lot of lessons. Um, so I have them to thank for that. And then again, the other credit union was a great lesson to me. I was in on the conversations I had wanted to be in on. And then that wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really just about personal growth in my career and um, being satisfied and, and loving and enjoying what I do every day that got me to say, Oh, maybe this isn't for me. Wow. You've, you've got so many uh, great nuggets here uh, to unpack. You know, um, let's, let's start with one of the, one of the notes that I just jotted down as you were, you were chatting. Yeah. You, you, you find yourself at a spot in your career where you you realize you're going to be stagnant. You asked your boss, you, so it sounds like you're a motivated, driven individual. I would, uh, what type of personality? Are you like a type A personality? Is it, are you a go, 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 get them kind of girl where you've always got to be going? Or what, what, um, is, is that kind of your nature? I just want to understand maybe the psychological element here. Sure. I think in my like Myers and Briggs testing, mm-hmm. you've probably heard of that testing. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think I was more of like the on the analytical side of it. Okay. So it's crazy. But I remember sitting there and uh, writing a pros and cons chart mm-hmm. of what would happen. What's going to be my outcome? I, I feel like um, I have to do the research and plan that outcome mm-hmm. to really take the risk. Um, I cried a lot. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> it was a very emotional uh, breakup. Mm. Um, I had been really close with my boss and really close with um, the family of my boss. And so it, that was really, that was really hard for me, but I would say type A, no, I think it was more on the analytical side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but taking risk is, is there, is so there. You're, there's this, like, there's this tension. I can, I'm, I'm trying to place myself you know, in that situation with you those many years ago, there's this tension in your, as you're writing that pros and cons list, you got to be thinking to yourself, well, a pro is this is safe, it's secure, I, I've been here for 17 years, there's some comfort, you know, I've got my routines down. But the the con was, it's like, well, this is what it's going to be. I could be here for another 15 years, 20 years. This is my spot. I'm not my I've already asked my boss, I'm not going to get another promotion. I'm kind of this is I'm capped. And it, it seems like your desire to grow, to learn, to have higher income, more opportunities, things like that, that outweighed the fear of the, the, the transition. So that's, it, that, that's when you made the decision. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm, the, the, the pros and cons, I'm ready to make this leap. Did, did you find, because uh, one of the things you stated in there is like, it was a you know, toxic environment, the second place you went. 
And yes. was, it seemed to be like a lot of instability. So at, there, at and in some respects, it was stable, it was safe and secure, but you also were smart enough to see, you know what, this is also very unstable. It's like, it's like a, almost an oxymoron. It's, it's, it's supposed to be safe and secure, but yes. it was, you know, it, uh, unstable. And you thought to yourself, you know what, I'm actually more in control, more safe, more secure by being my own boss and going and doing my own thing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, sure. So um, I think exactly that. I had a, a very uh, a great salary. I had, you know, the promise of insurance and, and everything else for my family. And at the time, we only had three kids. So um, I had been pregnant uh, with our fours. And um, I, I think just the, the way that everything kind of the foundation was there, but then everything was crumbling around me and I could kind of see what was going to happen just by other people's behavior. So really kind of watching people and seeing what's happened, especially the upper management and being a part of those conversations said to me, this isn't going to be good if I continue to stay here. So, um, you know, for me that, that leave was easy. I, I don't think mm -hmm. I, I cried one bit, but <laughs> the first one was tough, but this one, yeah, I mean, you definitely, um, I think when you watch people and know people and uh, just really pay attention, that's when you can find out a lot of things and right. go with your gut feeling. Did you find like, so you had made some assumptions that, well, I'll be more in control. Maybe there's some more stability of being an entrepreneur, taking the leap. Uh, now that you've been in the entrepreneurial space, right? You're um, and, and you're running a company and working with your husband. Are there things that how how has your mind uh, changed? Maybe or what are the things that you've learned? Are you just like, well, I, I got that one right. I was 100% correct. That's correct. But maybe are there things where you're like, wow, I didn't anticipate that. This was maybe a challenge or something new that I wasn't quite anticipating. Put yourself in the shoes of maybe someone who's listening to this. And they're on the verge of maybe making a decision that you made. What were what are some tips that you would give them? I would say um, be ready for people to not be accepting to change. I think mm -hmm. that was my biggest challenge here. So we have this, you know, over a hundred year old business, and my mother in law and father in law were very set in how they wanted this business to run and how it ran for this long. Mm -hmm. um, my husband has a degree from Central Michigan University, so um, you know where he was writing business plans and doing things like that. So um, he has he had in mind the way that he wanted to run it, and then here I come and I say, well. <laughs> So it was, I think that was my biggest challenge through the whole thing was saying, hey, we need to change our website to be relevant relevant in that space. Mm -hmm. And they were very resistant on that. They didn't want to do that. So be ready for that. Yeah, so <laughs> be ready for the resistance. And you're, there's probably resistance all throughout, right? So there's resistance. Maybe you might go over there and be like, hey, and I think that's something that I experienced throughout my business career is that uh, no matter where you're at, whether it's in a high school, whether it's at your church, whether it's in your local civics club, your business, we, we, the humans, I think, naturally get into routines and we like routine. We like stress. Yes. And breaking out of that in any way, shape or form can be a little bit uncomfortable. So, you know, and so I've experienced, you know, the, you know, the, the pushback to be like, and, but today, if you take a look at the, how fast the world's changing, businesses adapting, if we don't, it's, a, it's adapt or die, right? Otherwise, Amazon or somebody else will put you out of business. And so you got to constantly be, you know, kind of looking at where we should be going, you know, for the future. So I, I can definitely resonate with that, um, with those statements. How about, um, you said resistance to change, people are resistant to change. Were there, was there anybody in your life that was maybe resistant to you changing from a safe, secure job and moving into an entrepreneurial pursuit, which may, you know, look like a little bit, you know, unsecure, unstable. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm married. I've got this great job. I've got, you know, three kids. Now I'm going to go work at the family business. Was there anybody saying, whoa, hold on, April, time out. Yeah, let's, let's think about this. Yes. Yes. My mother. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. My mother was so afraid, but, um, you know, I don't mind. I hope you don't mind to talk a little bit about uh, my parents. Um, they grew up very poor 
And um, my mother didn't have indoor plumbing in their home. Um, she had nine other brothers and sisters. My dad had six other brothers and sisters. So, um, you know, they didn't uh, graduate high school. So for them, um, it, my job that I had was stability. And they didn't want me to break away from something unstable and possibly be going down the road right. of poverty. You know, for them, that was like, are you sure? Right. Because that's the their paradigm of the world. The way they grew up, what they saw is like, hey, go work for a big company. You get benefits. It's safe, secure. Yeah, yes. I can talk. That's yeah. That's their. That's how their world, their, their paradigm was, right? Yes, my mom was so concerned. She was, she was really, really afraid for me. And I, you know, it was like that whole uh, resistance to change. Mm -hmm. um, she liked that I was safe in my career and that I had the money and and everything that I needed to provide for my family. And so she was afraid for me. And um, I just didn't let fear drive my decision. Mm. You know, I just, I wanted to grow and change and I was willing to take that risk. So I tried to talk her down. It's going to be okay. I promise. I promise. And so now she does say she's really proud of the development that in the things that John and I have done. So, you know, she's That's definitely perfect. changed her mind, but she was number one person to be so afraid. I, I found, well, that, that, that's interesting. It's in the fact that you've been able to show her, you know, the, the flip side is like, hey, mom, look, this decision was really good. Look how it's turned out. Look how I'm growing and developing and learning, growing a business, providing economic opportunity for other people, right? Because it's yes. businesses are the number one employer in the United States. And so you're actually creating opportunity for other people who might be, would be in poverty, but because of you, they've got a job and so you're, you're an economic engine there in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Yes, I love it. I love it too. Well, you know, it, there's, um, it, it, it strikes me as you're, as you're chatting here. I know this, will kind of, this might sound funny. Casey's here in the office and she's probably going to start laughing as I say this. But it almost, your story almost reminds me of like a little bit of a Hallmark movie. Because I, I know, like one of those Hallmark holiday movies, you know, because I over Christmas vacation, I, I stayed home with my wife and I've got four daughters. I have six children total, but four daughters and they like to sit down and watch the Hallmark movie. Right. And so yeah. here's a synopsis. If you there's hundreds of them, but it's it, it's always it's something like this. Right. So there's this idyllic town somewhere, some ski village. And there's a business there that's kind of struggling and or something. And, and you got the, 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 the city girl, right? And she's got her high power job and she comes back and she's spending Christmas. And somehow there's a love story that all takes place. Then she goes back into the family business and she saves it. And the whole town's all excited. And there's so it's an economic uh, victory and there's a love story. So here's here's April. Tell, tell me, is there a love story here? And you you. you uh, you and your husband are now working together in the family business. And for those people who have not been to Frankenmuth, Michigan, it truly is like right out of a, um, a Swiss Alps, you know, storyline. It's a, Bav a German Bavarian uh, village. It's known for its Christmas themes and wonderland and parks. And here you are, you've got your little wool company there. So is there a possibility of a little bit of a Hallmark story here, April? Come on, tell me. You know, you know, I thought about writing a book for some time. So, um, yeah. So my husband took a hiatus from wool processing and he worked at the credit union that I worked at. So, so that's how a role reversal. That's how we met each other was okay. that he took that hiatus. I worked at the credit union okay. and then I met him and we were friends and it just kind of developed from there. So then he went back to wool processing because he discovered that the credit union world wasn't for him either. No. <laughs> And so he went back to the business after like a year and a half. But um, I used to work at the Christmas store too. I will say that <laughs> it's no, a great place. I knew it. I knew it. We've got a Hallmark story here. <laughs> and they have filmed a Hallmark movie here, I believe too. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But I think um, for quite some time, I thought about writing a book um, because my husband um, battled alcoholism and addiction. Um, and so we have that uh, history of recovery mm. and it's a really, really awesome story. Oh, wow. And so, uh, yes. Yeah, so now he's in the, um, you know, he's in his recovery for eight years and he sponsors oh, other great. people. So, um, you know, doing that work and, um, in the struggle of that relationship through, 
even before I came to the business um, and then coming here with the business and um, trying to get it to grow and to have this, um, you know, beautiful thing for our family. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought about that quite often. Actually, I had uh, reached out to someone who, um, an author that I, that I really respected her work. Um, and she gave me some tips. I didn't ask her to write my book, but yeah, she did give me some tips on how to start doing that. No, oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, you've got a fan here and uh, I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners are going to be cheering for you to have your story written about and maybe a, maybe a Hallmark movie in the future. We'll, <laughs> we'll have one in Frankenmuth, Michigan around your all's story. Well, tell us a little bit. You, so you go working from uh, at the bank, mm -hmm. uh, credit union, and, yeah. you know you're, and now you're working with your husband. So talk, speaking of Hallmark movies, yes. our tips for individuals who find themselves, entrepreneurs who find themselves, spouses, partners working together, right? I would imagine that that was a new dynamic. You and your husband probably are now uh, not just married, but you are running a business together. Were there things that you discovered little uh, that, that, that helped out in that process? Yes, yes. It, it's a totally mutual respect for the knowledge that we have and, and what we're doing what our function is in the business. He is doing manufacturing. He is, um, a lot of days he's, uh, staining yarn. So he's making those little bundles of yarn. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's supervising the manufacturing staff. So, um, I'm in the office with the computers and the social media and the cameras. Nice. <laughs> and so, um, I think we, it's really just a mutual respect on what our strengths are. And that's something, of course, we had to learn along the way. It was a little bit of a, of a power struggle here and there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we had um, such a strong marriage that in a strong foundation that it was, it was an easy transition for us to, to work together. Was it important to have role clarity and like whose lane is which and how do, how did you kind of navigate that? And the other question I would have is, yeah. do you leave your work at work or do you find that this blends over into the home where like you're cooking dinner and you're still kind of talking about yarn and, and the business of the day? Do you guys have any like guidelines of on, on that side as well? Well, I'm sure he'll tell you I could talk about yarn all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of my passion and I I love everything about it. So, um, we did have a, uh, you know, this is his role. I, I know absolutely nothing about running those machines. They're from the 1930s and forties. I mean, he's been doing this since he has been able to work. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't want to try to pretend that I know or, um, be an expert in that. Mm -hmm. So, um, just as much as he's not a social media guy, he does not, he's not very good with the computer. He doesn't want to be an expert in that. And so I think understanding, um, you know, and having that, this is your strength. This is my strength. This is how we can come together. We usually come together to make decisions. So um, if there's big business decisions to be made, a really good example was a gentleman had come in here yesterday and wanted uh, us to be a member of a um, certain business organization. You know, I do the research and then I present it to him and we make this decision together. Okay. So uh, there isn't just one, you know, person making those decisions. Uh, do we leave it at work? Definitely not. <laughs> I don't Sometimes. know anybody who does. It always comes home when you're kind of, you know, in the kitchen. That's where Brandy and I, my wife and I will be talking about business a lot of times. But yeah, so what, what's, what's it like in your household? So it's uh, typically I'll be... I'll be home, um, you know, with the pandemic, I've had um, to do virtual school with our children. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been home. And then now we have uh, two college uh, girls that come and watch the kids so that I can come into the office. Um, but typically, I'm um, home early, you know, the, um, earlier at night, and then John will come home. And uh, we'll have dinner. Usually something comes up at dinner. I mean, something has to, or, um, you know, with running social media and stuff yourself, uh, you're answering messages. It's really a seven day a week job. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like this weekend, I um, am trying to talk him into going to pick up some wool from a customer up north. <laughs> so you're always doing something, but uh, so you're in you- sales now. You're selling him on this idea. I can tell. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when you love it so much, it's almost not like work. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I find the same thing. Yeah, and there'll be times where he says, "Hey." we like not talk about it for a little bit or I'll say the same thing to him. And that's like, yes, yes. Agreed. We're going to not talk about it for a little bit. <laughs> well, that, that I love the fact that you guys have it, your, your boundaries and you figured out how to, what works for you. Well, one of the things that I've noticed in my career is that I don't think that there's a, a set playbook or universal playbook. That's for everybody. Everyone is different. Every marriage partnership is different. And so it's just, you gotta be, you gotta blend it. Hey, what works for us? Uh, and what might may work for me and my wife will might not work for some other family. And but everybody, as long as you kind of take the time to kind of set those those parameters and guidelines and figure out. And I always enjoy hearing how other couples come to this. Uh, yeah, they partner, how they work well together. Um, I, I I love studying family businesses and the dynamics there because they're all so unique and different. Tell me a little bit about. You, the the importance of continued education and learning. I would imagine that you know you had to be yourself taught in many many ways. You come into this business. It's not like you you know have a background in the wool manufacturing business or all these things. You're you're literally just like, hey, I'm learning on the fly. You have kind of like a real world MBA. Um, tell tell me about the importance of education and you being successful in business. Sure. So when I came, um, you know, I had, I think, three college credits. I still have those three college credits. Um, and I, I had a lot of business experience. So uh, I really went over my resume um, with actually someone at Northwood University. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, they do uh, um, where you can get credits for work-life experiences. Mm-hmm. So I had went over my resume with someone at Northwood. Uh, before I had come to work for the business thinking, you know, if I finish up my degree, I can go and um, get this career in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was m- maybe what I thought I was most interested in. Um, and according to the Myers-Briggs testing, that seemed to be kind of like a good path for me. So I had this all set up and then I, I come to work here and um, you're right. I, I know absolutely nothing. Um, I had been to wool shows with John previously to uh, working here. So I got to see a lot of the stuff people were making. Um, but I didn't really know what went into it. So I just started asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, I can tell you that it probably was um, a little much for my mother-in-law and father-in-law at that point. Um, but I just, I watched and I asked a lot of questions. And then I started to um, wanting to experience these things. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, well, I've never taken wool before and felted it, you know, so I'm going to try that. So I'm going to take some of our wool and I'm going to do the craft that our customers do with the wool Mm -hmm. and I'm going to learn that. So I took it and I learned that. And then I said, you know what? I've never knit anything so I'm going to go, I'm going to take a class. I'm going to teach myself how to knit and I'm going to learn how to knit. And then it was like, okay, well, social media, I'm sure there's some things to social media. I need to learn about that. So I'll take a series of courses and learn about that. Um, leadership. I knew I had to grow a little bit in that. Um, you know, obviously no, no one's perfect. So yeah. What are the tools that I need to be a good leader in this business? Mm-hmm. So that's when I um, went to the Great Lakes Bay Hispanic mm-hmm. Leadership Institute. So um, I took that. And it's it's so funny because both employers that I had been at had, was like a solid no for me doing that program. So um, when I moved here, I was able to do that because I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, taking that program for me was a huge, huge uh, achievement because I had been told no previously. And um, I was able to speak at the graduation, which was great. I was so oh, nervous, but it was congratulations. So <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I just think that uh, with the story that I had, it was 
yeah. inspiring to the other people within the group and to the organization. So um, I just signed myself up. Yeah. I'm there. I push myself in. Um, I ask people, can I come to your farm? I mean, you know, I visited farms and said, can I come see your sheep? Can you tell me about what you do, your process? They tell me their animals' names. Yeah. It, you know, I've watched shearing watching the sharing happen. I just really uh, put myself in a lot of places where I knew I was going to get a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And the community that we're in, this community of wool and knitting, and I mean, it's the greatest community ever. So uh, they're very welcoming and warm. I mean, we've stayed at people's farms. It's just been Aww. a really great experience. April, this is amazing. It, it, you sound like you have a natural curiosity, number one, yeah. so maybe a curiosity for life, but it, and that has bled over into your business where you're, uh, I'm really impressed with how curious you are and you're asking all these questions and you didn't stay at the surface level, but you went out and started asking questions and looking at all the various touch points within your industry where you're like, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge here. So I'm going to get specific knowledge on this. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge over here in this area. I'm going to get knowledge here. So you specifically went out and targeted places where you wanted to grow, have better you know, knowledge uh, so you could do better in your job and also maybe and help your customers. Um, it, it, have, have you always had this natural you know, curiosity and questioning in life or in, 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 in business? I would imagine that's been extremely helpful for you. It has. And yes, I've always had this natural curiosity. And it's really funny because this one time I had sat down with my doctor and uh, we were talking about my health and I was asking him a lot of questions. And I, and I had asked him like, where could I research this at to find out a little bit more? And he was, he said to me, we really need scientists like you. Are you sure you don't want to be a doctor? And I'm like, I do not want to be a doctor. <laughs> I do not have the stomach for that, but I thank you for offering. Yeah. It's just like your, your level of that you're at, that you're asking this stuff and the curiosity that you have about this. It's like, we need people in this field to figure things out, you know? So I thought that was a really nice compliment coming from my doctor. His wife's a knitter. So we had a lot of conversations about wool, but um, yes, I've always had that. Yeah, that's always. Great. I always wanted to know. I didn't want to not know something. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I in marketing, you have to know who your audience is. Mm -hmm. So, what are what are my customers wanting or what are my potential customers going to want? And if I can't have a genuine conversation talking about the things that we offer, well mm -hmm. then I'm I'm not genuine and I want to make genuine connections like that. Well, I, I want to uh, highlight a couple of things for our listeners here, because I think that you've just uh, shed some amazing insight, absolute gold uh, about the entrepreneurial journey. First and foremost, I, I think it's very, very important that it, 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 on that entrepreneurial journey that the person loves what they're doing, right? So uh, certainly you're a very curious person, a questioning person. But you, it's obvious that you love and have grown to love even more the whole wool industry and everything about it. Secondly, you, you used your curiosity when you came in. Uh, and I, I believe an entrepreneur has to have a, a certain level of curiosity and questioning to want to dig deep. So you didn't stay on the surface level. It would be very easy. I'm seeing you here on, on this uh, recording this morning. You're sitting in your office. It'd be very easy for you just to sit in your office and be like, hey, what's the surface level stuff that I can do just to kind of do my nine to five. But you used your questioning and curiosity to dig deep, to go out and specifically say, where is it that I don't have answers or I ha don't have the understanding that I want? And you got practical knowledge and insight and grew in your, your leadership abilities, your marketing abilities, whatever. But so you went out and got domain expertise. I think that's absolutely critical for any entrepreneur uh, wherever uh, you're, you're going to be, um, you know, leading and and whatever you're going to be doing. And then finally, I think that personal development in terms of uh, you recognize leadership. Hey, I know I'm going to have to lead and become a better uh, a leader in whatever capacity that you're wanting to grow in, and constantly growing in those areas. I think is very important. So for our listeners, I'd say take a couple of notes just on those points right there because that's absolutely critical 
for your entrepreneurial journey. And oh, you know what? And finally, I'd say this. You mentioned a second ago that when you started, you didn't have a whole lot of college experience. You had three, you, you said you had three college courses. Well, here's something I found in my career. If I have a choice between someone who's spent their entire time in academia and they have like just an incredible resume of academic experience, but no real world experience, I would rather take somebody who's got real world experience than someone who's got an, an, an impressive resume. Because here in the entrepreneurial world, here's something that's very important. There's no playbook. There, it, there's not a formula. A lot of times in, in academia, there, it's a formula. It's like freshman year goes to sophomore year, sophomore year goes to junior year. You walk in, here's the classes that I need to take to get my certain credits. Here's a degree program, but everything's laid out. It's black and white. You, you can very quickly understand the rules on here's how I need to study to get the correct answers for this particular test, but it's, there, there's a formula for success. And in the entrepreneurial world, zero formula. <laughs> you literally have to every single day walk in and say, and you've got to be able to connect the dots. And I've seen a lot of people who have been successful in academics who have not been able to transition over into the entrepreneurial world because they're like, well, where's the formula? Where's the playbook? I'm like, hey, bud, you, we, we make up the playbook every single day. We've got to connect all those dots. Uh, April, tell me, you're, you're nodding your head. You got a big smile here. Tell me, you're, you're like, I, I can tell that I'm resonating with you. Tell me about it. I would just say that uh, I, I'm giggling because there isn't a playbook and there isn't instructions. And um, if there were, my husband wouldn't have read them anyways. He's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to try to put them together, you know, without reading the instructions. But, um, you know, it just, there isn't, it's, it's day by day. It's what's, where's, what's going to work for this business today. Um, you you hit it. It's exactly it. I, I don't have a. I mean, yes, I could tell you what things we're looking towards for 2021 because you know that's just responsible business uh, to have a plan. But um, yes, but you're okay. the one who's in charge of making the plan for your team, right? Like, we, right? Like, so there's certainly we want to put systems in place, and even at Bonvera, we've got systems we want to put in place. We want to create tools and resources for our entrepreneurs to help them. There's certain principles at play, but if you're a, a true entrepreneur, realizes like, look, I, it, it rests on my shoulders, right? Yes, yes. So I would say uh, I would be solely responsible for doing the research of what maybe we need to move towards, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the market, um, researching the political aspects of, um, you know, import exports of wool, mm -hmm. uh, going to the national conference. I've been there twice for American sheep industry. And, um, you know, at the time my mother and father-in-law had said, we've never been there. I don't know why we need to go there. And I said, it's your presence for one. Uh, you you want them to know that you're serious about wool and that you love this industry. And what am I going to learn there? So, you know, be a part of that conversation. And I learned so much. And my husband and I do a, um, a Facebook Live every Monday. And we just talked about this on our Java with John session, which I'll say he is not comfortable doing. But <laughs> nice. Java with John. I love it. Yes. So we ask him about his side of the business, but then sometimes we get into some conversations of how we've learned and grow it, you know, in the business uh, through the years. So we just had a conversation about the national conference and how much that helps us learn about what's going on because we do business with people all over the United States. Yeah. So um, to be in that conversation, we need to be there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Java with John is very fun too. That is that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a I'm a big uh, conference fan. I, I love going to industry conferences. We, our company holds uh, three national events a year where we bring in our top sales leaders from around the country. Uh, I, I, for me, it's a time of, of learning, uh, mm -hmm. connecting with the community, uh, learning new ideas, continue continued development, uh, and it, it is a huge community aspect, right? Like our business is so. Uh, community-based. And it sounds like within your industry, you've got a community, a very uh, tight-knit community base there. Yes. Uh, that's, that's really- No pun intended. Yes. <laughs> tight community. No pun intended. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So April, with all of this conversation that we've been having this morning, uh, I, I'd love to hear as a father, okay, of four daughters, 
And mm-hmm. we've got a lot of uh, young uh, female entrepreneurs in our, our company, uh, even mid-career uh, women who are uh, launching their entrepreneurial career and doing things. What advice would you have for young women following in your footsteps, starting their entrepreneurial career, or maybe those mid-career ladies who are get, just getting started uh, in their entrepreneurial journey? Any advice for them? And maybe, you know, maybe learning lessons that you've learned as a, as a female leader uh, uh, growing and operating a business? Sure. So I will tell you that I had zero confidence in myself and what I was doing probably until I was about 32. And um, what changed that was a really good friend of mine. Um, he started working at the credit union and um, he was in uh, politics for a little bit. and. Him and I developed this friendship and he had just kind of asked me some questions um, about where I thought that I was going to be going in, in my career. And I was kind of taken back, like no one's really asked me that before. Mm-hmm. So he was um, very encouraging for me. He had said, um, you know, he thought that I had this really great ability um, back that emotional intelligence like that had just been on the forefront of things so um he thought that my emotional intelligence was really good and he said you know people are a very big part of leadership and being that you have this ability to really talk to anyone and make them feel comfortable and um in everything that you've learned throughout the years he's like you totally you're you're a leader and you don't even know it and I took that in and, you know, for me, it's writing. I do a lot of writing. Um, so having someone say that to me and, and not really having that previously, you're, you're kind of just like, okay, what am I going to do with this? I want to know what, I, what am I going to do with this information? Okay. All right. Well, I could be a leader. So I think putting that in my mind, him just planting that little seed and having that in my brain um, had me, again, my curious mind, mm-hmm. well, what, what does the leader do? What, what does that look like for me? Uh, could I make a career of this? And so I think um, just building your confidence, um, writing really great things about yourself. Um, I have a daughter who's eight and we have a journal that um, has specific questions that it asks her. And then we write really good things about herself. I think as women, a lot of times we don't, that confidence just doesn't come naturally for mm-hmm. us. So um, for me, it was writing in the journal and growing and, um, you know, actually taking a compliment and thinking, oh, this really could be me. Yeah. So um, when people compliment you, take, take it, it as it, real. Take it and own it, right? Yes, and own it. And don't don't feel like you're being arrogant because, I mean, really, they're saying that for a reason. So um, take a compliment, um, grow yourself, uh, maybe make a journal and, and write really great things about yourself or goals and things that you want to achieve because I think that's really important to have, have that of, of what you want. Um, I do a lot of thinking. I have to do a lot of me time. Um, quiet time. My husband knows I need a little bit of that to uh, be creative. Um, so a lot of thought, spend some time by yourself. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time by myself, quiet time. And um, really, that's where a lot of ideas and creativity come from. So that would be the advice that I give to, to girls and women entrepreneurs. And don't be afraid to, to take that risk for your own growth. Um, and ask for that. I mean, if you want that, um, ask for that. And if you get the no, you know, get the feedback on why it's a no and what you need to do to grow yourself to get to the goal that you're looking to achieve. That's brilliant advice. All, all of that, that whole segment there, April, absolutely incredible advice. I love how you started off with, it was interesting. There was somebody in your life that gave you an affirmation. They saw something in you and they spoke life and words of affirmation to you and you owned it. And it's like, it, it's almost like it triggered something and you're like, oh, that's me. This, this yeah. can be, and it just like set you on a journey. It just, it strikes me as, so now you as a, a leader within your community, 
Um, I'm sure you're giving those same types of words of affirmation, speaking life into young people. And it's, uh, it's amazing how somebody that, that you re respect speaking that affirmation can really change a person's life. I, I sure. back in my career, I, I know there was a, uh, a high school teacher. I had a high school coach that did the exact same thing for me at a very pivotal time in my, in my life. And it literally changed the, the trajectory of my life because I started making decisions based on those words of affirmation. And I saw myself in a different light. And here you are, you saw yourself in a different light and look at what you've been able to do. So I think we as leaders, it's really important for us to remember that uh, two, twofold. Number one, how can we pay it forward by doing that for the next generation? And then secondly, even as we grow in leadership, where is it that we can plug in Right. So, April, where, where where's that? Where, who, I'm sure you've got your mentor, your coach, but there's, you know, even today you're going to need, you know, maybe words of affirmation to help you go to the next level. Who's helping you? And, and Right. And then I'm thinking of me, me like, OK, how do I plug in to have people that I love and respect, you know, see things in me and, and encourage me on my journey? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, that's something that's so important um, throughout the, our entire career. Um, br absolutely brilliant insight. Um, let's see what what else. What other any other words of encouragement for uh, young leaders, female leaders coming up through the ranks? Be curious. Yeah, <laughs> that's been my uh, number one. Is that um, like we talked about? I didn't want to know. I didn't want to not know what I was talking about, and I was curious of what was going on around me. Um, it's funny because when, when you're in the banking world, they teach you this skill of be aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. So uh, you get this training every single year of if someone were to walk in to your financial institution and, and hold you up in a robbery, mm -hmm. you have to know all this about this person. And so it's like a, a skill that we all learn from, you know, from the beginning of our careers there as tellers. And I kind of take that wherever I go. Be aware of your surroundings. Not so much that someone's going to harm you, but that what's going on around me, you know, just like you said about the perspective of me sitting here at this business, I could have just been, you know, faking it as far as yeah. marketing and social media. And I'm just going to say we have this yarn for sale and I'm good. Mm -hmm. But to be genuine and to ask those questions and be curious, I think it's really important. And I think people now they want to make that connection. They want to know what's underneath the products and services that they're buying. They want to have that, you know, one-on-one -on -one connection with someone. Uh, for us, that's really important. And it's really important for John and I to know our people that we're doing business with and um, hoping success for them. I mean, a lot of times we're doing business with people, they're making a yarn, they're turning around and selling it in their business. So, you know, ask more, be interested in people and what they're doing yes. and just be curious. Well, I, I can see that your level of curiosity has been a huge um, inflection point in uh, for your career. And right? I, I can just, I can tell you this infectious um, desire to want to learn and develop and get better. And it, it, it strikes me, you're, you're, what you're saying here is like if someone, if you had just like signed a document that says, hey, congratulations, I'm now April, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, and you put that on the wall, it doesn't make you an entrepreneur. People can't sign a document, you can't sign a contract, you can't like just decide I'm going to be an entrepreneur and there you are. Being an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur is so much about your own personal actions, your, your level of curiosity, your, your willingness to go out and get engaged, your willingness to go and say, where do I have gaps in my education? I've got to learn new things. You can't just like sit there and be like, all right, you, you went out and you sought out all this information. You took action. The entrepreneurial journey is about every single day having agency over your own life and taking action. You, and, exactly. and if someone's not willing to take action on a daily basis, taking action to ask questions, taking action to get better, taking action to solve problems, taking action to have more education. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're not an entrepreneur. You're an employee. You're looking for someone. You need to be in an environment where you've got a boss telling you, go do this, go do that. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Spot on. 
tell me, tell me a little bit why I'm just, I'm excited about this because you've, you've unpacked so much truth about the entrepreneurial journey. And I want to make sure that our listeners are, you know, taking those notes and connecting all the dots because it's absolutely, uh, April, this, your insights here are absolutely brilliant. Well, for uh, people who want to learn a little more about your business, we yeah. didn't talk a lot about the business. Could you share with us? I'm sure, you know, our customers, number one, have absolutely loved your product. Thank you. Bon Vera is, uh, we're set up and developing specifically to serve and support uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs like you all across the country, all across North America. We are so proud of our partnership. Uh, and I, I want to make sure that our listeners know a little bit more about your business in the wool industry. So could you give us a, a quick, maybe like overview of sure. specifically your business? Yes. So our business is a fourth generation fiber mill. We process natural fibers into products that people would use in everyday life for their home. Um, we do knitting yarn. Uh, we do a lot of yarn. We process a lot. Um, we process into wool bedding. So we make wool uh, pillows, mattress pads, um, any type of custom orders uh, for uh, wool-filled items. Um, we make batting uh, by itself and roving for hand spinners. So if you can think about it, somebody sitting way back in the day with a spinning wheel and spinning into yarn, that craft is still alive. Wow. So uh, we make uh, that out of uh, all freshly sheared wool. So our typical customer base is any um, farmer across the U.S., our rancher, and they uh, hire a shearer to come in and shear their uh, sheep or alpaca, llama. We process buffalo. Um, so they'll take that natural fiber from the animal, they'll ship it to us. Um, we travel a lot, which is one of my favorite parts of the business because I get to get that face-to-face -face interaction with our customers. So uh, we travel to like sheep and wool shows. Um, some They're like a big craft show with sheep and llamas and alpacas. Um, so we travel to those and we pick up raw wool. And uh, we bring it all back here to Michigan and we process it into their desired product and then we ship it back out to them. Wow, that, that is amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And where, where can people go to learn more about your business? What's your website? Sure. My website is www.zwool.com. And I'm on socials. Um, I am on Pinterest, Facebook, and Instagram. So you can see a lot of really cool stuff there. We have a YouTube channel, which you can see the Java with John sessions. And then we're also going to be doing um, a really good series coming up on wool socks. Oh, that is incredible. Well, I'll tell you what, for all of our listeners, if you want to go out and follow a world-class entrepreneurial journey, a great company uh, in the state of Michigan, in Frankenmuth, I highly encourage you to, to follow all those links that uh, April just shared with you. And of course, we'll have those in the show notes. So you can go out there and you can see a high powered female executive on her entrepreneurial journey and see what she's doing and how she's making daily decisions to, to grow her family company, uh, make a difference in the world. Um, having words of affirmation for young people, bringing them up on their journey as well, and also creating economic opportunity uh, for people who need it. And so, you know, April, one of the last questions I would ask you, I guess, is, you know, we've heard a lot of things in the news about Michigan, right? With the pandemic and, you know, there's uh, Michigan has had probably some of the strongest uh, shutdown laws and, and uh, locking the state down because of COVID and so forth. And I've, I've been talking with uh, entrepreneurs around the country who have been navigating these times. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that, you know, in, in the entrepreneurial journey is, there's certain things that I control that you control, right? And there's things that are outside of our control. And one yeah. of the things that I've been sharing with people, I say, look, uh, I can sit there and I can complain about all the things that I don't control, but it's actually, it's wasting my time, wasting my emotional energy. I've got to focus on the things that I can control so that I can put my company, my people in the best position to win. 
can, can, it's, it, as you've been an executive in navigating this business, not only in very trying times, but also in a state where there has been an extreme lockdown, can you tell me how you've navigated that personally for you and your family and your business? And you know, how, what, what tips would you give people? Because there's a lot of people out there facing similar type situations, right? Sure. Yes. So um, my husband will tell you and, and I'll tell you, this is what we say to each other and to other people all the time. Uh, we couldn't do it without each other. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, he has so many tools he brings to the table and I have so many tools to bring to the table and, and we work together with that. So when the pandemic hit um, in March, we were forced to shut down and we stayed shut down until uh, early May, I believe, whenever manufacturing could be back up mm -hmm. and uh, running. And um, that was really challenging. But the beauty of entrepreneurial and family business is that we could be here because we're family. That's right. So um, between John and myself and his uh, mom, we would come here. Uh, people were still sending wool mm -hmm. and, and we were answering emails trying to answer phone calls to the best of our ability. We had, a, we had an old phone system back then, so we couldn't forward our calls, which was, I mean, we've changed since then because I was like, we're not going to be shut down again and not be able to receive our phone calls. So, um, you know, we, we just worked together and we managed that. And then when our staff came back, of course, being safe was the number one concern. I mean, you didn't really know, you know, there wasn't... Uh, of course, I'm a data person and my curiosity, um, you're reading and researching and, and the, but there was just so much unknown. So, um, safety, uh, we, because we're so small, we could, um, have one person working at a building at a time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we had that benefit to us. Yeah. Um, so we were able to function, um, very safely, safely with the virus. Um, and then me, I wanted to say, okay, well, what can wool do for us in this field of, um, in coronavirus? Like, how could that work? Because when you felt wool, it, it hardens. Yeah, and yeah. then, um, so I actually worked with the team uh, at a university in New York about creating uh, a wool filter uh, for the inside of masks. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I talked to some uh, scientists. Uh, one of our customers had uh, reached out to us mm -hmm. and asked us to be a part of this journey with them. I mean, to totally honored to do that with them. Um, so I spent a lot of my um, days at home with my kids because of no school uh, uh, meetings and researching um, how could we, mm -hmm. you know, fit wool into this uh, field of combating the virus with a filter. So um, there was that, that was great. That was a great experience. Um, so for us, because we were so small, uh, the navigation was most likely a lot easier than what someone else yeah. would have had. And um, we're, you know, thankful for that. That's amazing. So you, here you are in the midst of all this, as I'm, you know, thinking about the things you've just shared. Yeah. You, you um, we're curious once again, well, you, there's a, there's a common theme in your story. You were once again, curious, uh, you were asking questions. You were looking for the opportunity. You were taking daily action. Uh, you as a leader were making decisions in an environment where you did not have complete information. And I, and I, I see that leadership, especially entrepreneurial leadership, uh, you have to make decisions in an environment where you do not have all the information. That's just a given. And, yes. you know, and here you are, you're, you're making those decisions and you did an amazing job leading your family business uh, through probably one of the worst pandemics uh, that we've had in American history, certainly economically as we've shut down. I mean, we, we haven't had a shutdown like this uh, since, and I don't know, we had 40 million jobs lost, I think in 2020. Uh, we yeah. haven't had since the Great Depression. Uh, so I just want to say, you know, as I as I've been chatting with you this morning and, and just listening and asking questions, your story has been motivational and inspirational for me. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be motivational and inspirational for all who uh, listen. I'm going to make sure my daughters are listening to this. Oh, thank it just, you. I have, you know, just renewed enthusiasm and excitement that uh, Bond Bear has partnered with you guys 
Uh, we're proud to be standing alongside of you guys, and we're looking forward to a, a, a deeper, uh, even more meaningful relationship as we go forward. Uh, I want all of our listeners to go out there and check out the the website. And uh, April, I just want to say thank you for taking time to, to chat with us this morning. What a, what an, an incredible welcome. podcast. We look forward to having you back on. Thanks. Thank you. I'd love that. Maybe we can do a Java with John in April on the <laughs> Taking the Leap podcast. How about that? That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, um, he doesn't say much, but um, I get it out of him. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what they you know what they say, still waters run deep. So those people who don't talk a whole lot are just sitting there. I know, I know that they've got a wealth of knowledge and experience. And so we'll f- have to figure out a way to pull some of those nuggets out of them. We'll pass, yes. we'll pass my best on to John. I, I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast with us this morning. Yes, thank you. Well, l- ladies and gentlemen, I know that you have enjoyed this uh, latest episode of Taking the Leap podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey. Uh, we stay tuned. We're going to have more incredible content and information coming to you in the weeks ahead. Uh, make sure to go check out the show notes. We're going to drop all the various references and websites where you can follow April and her family business, uh, the Foodie Yarn Company, and what is it? The Zellinger Wool Company, a fourth generation wool company in the great state of Michigan in an incredible town of Frankenmuth, Michigan. If no, if you have not been there, please go and enjoy it. It's an incredible little idyllic vacation spot, a little Bavarian history uh, nestled here in the United States. So April, once again, thank you so much. God bless and have a wonderful afternoon. You too. Thank you. We hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Bob Dickey, signing off on Taking the Leap Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap Podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.